CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, good evening, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Welcome to another special edition of Options Action. With us tonight are Carter Worth and Tony Zhang here on set, and Mike Coe, who's joining us from San Francisco. Well, all of our traders, of course, have been spending a lot of week, a lot of time this week, rather, addressing concerns from clients, both big and small, institutional to individual, hedge funds, you name it. For you at home, there's a lot of valuable and maybe hopefully some calming insight to be gleaned from these conversations because maybe you have a lot of the same concerns as the big institutional clients. So let's start there. Mike Coe, I want to start with, a, I guess, what a particularly salient experience you had just this morning and maybe the lessons that it can go to our viewers. Yeah, you know, so we were talking, my colleagues and I, with an investor this morning, and we spent about an hour on the phone uh, this is somebody who has been, you know, managing a portfolio of stocks principally and essentially has lost faith in their ability to do that this week and actually was actually coming to us and saying, you know, can you just take this over for me? I don't have any faith that I actually know what I'm doing anymore. And we didn't actually have a good sense of what was in the portfolio. We began to go through it. And what we saw was a list of names that probably looks remarkably like the ones that people who are self-directed investors have that, you know, bigger accounts typically would have. We saw names like Microsoft and Apple and Cisco, AbbVie, um, you know, Abbott Labs. We saw just a lot of actually pretty good companies in there and not a lot of concentration risk. And we actually saw a decent chunk of cash because when all of this started to happen, they weren't deploying capital right away. And so they're actually pretty well positioned, I think. And I think one of the things investors need to do is you have a tendency to look at your daily P&L, which is going to be moving around by huge amounts right now. And there's a sense that you need to move quickly. And actually, you actually probably need to take a step back and say, OK, let's develop a plan and start figuring out what we're going to do. What is going on right now? Well, we see massive risk on and risk off. Why is it happening? Well, we know that we've seen what's going on in the oil markets, and we obviously have what's going on with the coronavirus. But that influences different companies differently, and that should actually help us determine what we're going to do right now. Some stocks have not sold off as much as maybe they deserve to. Others have been sold off much more severely probably than they deserve to. And we need to sort of figure the, these things out and determine which stocks we want to continue to hold, which we might want to get rid of. But we have a little bit of time to do that. And we saw today we got a big bounce back. So we can see this kind of volatility when we're getting moves of unprecedented moves, really, when you're talking about eight or nine percent a day, then you really need to be planning now over the weekend for what you're going to be doing next week and, and basically be on the balls of our feet. Well, I'm going to say this, Mike. Whoever that client or clients that you've been speaking with, they're the most honest people I've ever heard of. The fact that they're literally, I don't know what to do. What was your advice? Was there, were you, did you feel like, like we all need right now a little bit of a, a psychologist in certain ways to say, listen, take a step back and focus? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we, we actually were talking about a couple of things. We were talking about some sector things that could be done. And we were actually taking a look at a specific stock as well. So, you know, on the sector front, one of the things that I think is interesting is that spaces that have traditionally been safe havens, like utilities, have actually been very severely punished. 
And actually, there was some news that actually furthered that. When you have people saying, well, we think yields are bottoming in, they think of it as a yield trade, then they might be thinking you want to get out of utilities. I don't agree with that. I actually think that this might be an opportunity where you can take advantage of the very high volatility that we're seeing of basically steep declines in the multiples of many of these stocks and also the fact that the yields for those things that actually pay them, like utilities, are going up quite sharply. So, I mean, just looking at the XLU as an example, one of the things I was taking a look at, you could sell the April 52 puts today for about $2.60. That's 5% of the strike price. That would be expiring in just one month. So you'd be collecting 5% in yield. XLU is well above this level when that happened. And if you get it put to you, you're going to end up owning it at a price level of 49 bucks a share. You're going to be collecting a yield on that, a dividend yield of more than 4%. Now, it might seem ludicrous to think, well, I want to sell puts in an environment like this, but actually when things are hitting their lows and vols are high and valuations are depressed and the dividend yields are good and probably supported, those counterintuitive types of things are probably what you want to do. You want to do exactly what your intuition might otherwise tell you not to. Good stuff, Mike Co. Mike, thank you very much. Uh, Carter, I'm going to come to you first because how long have you been doing this? Well, it's interesting. I just passed my 30-year anniversary in this. 30? 30. You ever seen a week like this? Well, <laughs> meaning each time, remarkably, it's kind of the same and it's kind of different. I mean, we've had epic plunges. Nothing was had, the same about this week. Uh, the, the, listen, if you look in the periods of 08, the plunging and the recovering. In fact, what's so remarkable about this day, right, we know it was a huge sell-off and a ricochet. On Friday, the 28th of February, which is what, two weeks ago, we had a big reversal on that day. And on the 2nd or 3rd of March, I think it was the Tuesday or Wednesday, we were up 10%. So we literally, what we saw today in one day, we saw in three. Again, a sharp plunging low on a Friday sitting right here and recovered, closed on the high. And on the 3rd of March, that Tuesday, we achieved a 10% ricochet. We happened to achieve the 10% ricochet in one day today. But you all were talking about on the show earlier, uh, bear markets are characterized by sharp counter-trend rallies. And, and that's, at this point, all that uh, one could say this is. In terms of something that Mike was addressing, and then uh, Tony, please jump in. The utilities are down the same amount as the S&P 500. Now, with a beta of 0.7, that is an opportunity, and that's exactly what you heard Mike talk about. Well, I think it's interesting that you guys ask how long you've been around. You know, I haven't been long enough. Uh, I haven't been around long enough to be around for the dot-com crash, for the 87 crash. But this week, as extreme as it was, actually, for my, for my purposes, was, was not unexpected, simply because if we look at the data from the last few years, we've been putting out research saying that this is the new norm, right, where we have longer and longer periods of extreme lower market volatility, followed by extremely fast and violent pullbacks in the market. The only difference is that this time it's more violent. Than because of high frequency algos, pat, quote, passive investing, ETFs, everything. There's lots of reasons that we could we could start talking about and debating. But, the, but the, at the end of the day, we've now pushed into a bear market, and we have to look at what is the right strategy here. So there's three-prong approach. First of all, we want to look for what stocks and what sectors do we want to pay attention to. You guys brought up utilities, great sector to look at, also quality stocks. As far as what option strategies should you utilize for this type of market, I think Mike hit it nail, uh, hit this on the nail, where selling put strategies is the right strategy, but this is a strategy only for the stocks that you believe that are going to rally. These are stocks that you want to own because when you sell a put, you are obligated to buy the stock at that strike price. And lastly, technical analysis timing this market, using statistics and probability to give, to give us an understanding as to when is the right time to execute these strategies. 
I don't think on a day like today where we're up almost 10 percent is the right time to sell a put. I think you wait for a day like maybe next week where we're down three, four percent. That would be you think that will happen, though? Uh, yes, I do. This is so. not this is not the day that everything's OK. In this not likely. Part. No, 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 no. Yeah. So, again, we saw this uh, two weeks ago. We had exactly a 10 percent recovery. And at the time, it was the low. Uh, what we do know is that even if it never goes lower, and let's talk about that for a second, and, and it, it's, it's over. If you look at all instances, there have been 12 in the history of the S&P, go back to 1927, where you've had a 20% plus sell-off from an all-time high. Um, the median time to recover the loss is more than two years. So even if wow. we don't go lower, wow. you take a lot of time just to recover the damage done. And, of course, that's not allowing for the fact that we could still go plenty lower. The, the median recovery time is two years. Two years. Because, of course, you go down whatever 20%, you need a 25% gain, you get back to just where you were, and people are psychologically, money gets lost. All right, let's, talk, let's move and talk about Apple, if we can, and I think we can as well. So let's move on to Mike Coe in San Francisco, who's, who's got something on Apple. People in this kind of market, Mike, they're yeah. looking for opportunity, so let's give them a little opportunity. Why? It's Friday. Let's well, do you it. Know, the, and actually, exactly what Tony and Carter were just talking about, when we are in a bear market, and we technically went into one this week, and I think there's plenty of reasons to think we're not going to recapture February's highs again. But a lot of people own Apple. They might think this is a good opportunity to get long the stock and buy more of it. I'm going to discourage that and suggest instead that what you've been thinking about is a stock recovery strategy. And specifically, today gave us the opportunity to do that because we got this bear market rally. I was looking specifically at the May 290, 310, one by two call spread. Now, in this strategy, you would buy the 290 calls and sell two of the 310s. You actually are going to collect a small credit to do that of about a dollar and a half. Now, here's the interesting thing. You're not committing new capital to your position in Apple. Instead, what's going to happen is you're going to boost the returns that you're going to capture between the 290 strike call that you bought and the 310 call that you sold. Above that, your profits are essentially capped. But think about this. If you did this, you're no worse off unless Apple actually went above 330. Guess what? That's above the all-time high. I think there's virtually no chance that the stock is going to recapture its all-time high within the next two months. So here's a way where you can actually collect a little bit of money on your Apple position if you're not inclined to sell the shares, get increased profits in the near upside, and you're sacrificing virtually nothing because the chances that the stock gets above 3.30 in the next 60 days is very, very low. Uh, very low. All right, Tony, what do, you, what do you think about the Apple trade that he like? And also his, his basically thought that Apple, if it gets back to where it was, it's going to take a while. Yeah, I think a lot of investors are stuck in this particular space for a lot of stocks that you own, where you think it's going to recover a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but you want to get yourself back to break even, but you're pretty sure it's not going to get back to that level that you bought the stock at. And these stock repair strategies are a great way to go about doing this. I will say that there's the stock repair strategy is very limited in terms of how you can use it. It really only protects you. It, I'm sorry, it doesn't provide you with any downside protection, and it only works if you have a modest loss on that stock. So in a stock like Apple, where you might be down 5 to 10%, this is the right strategy to use. But on other stocks, if you're down 50 25%, these types of strategies do not work. The only thing I will say is, Mike, I do disagree with you on the strikes that I would use here. I think I would use an at-the-money strike. I would buy that 275 and sell the 300s. Um, you've chosen slightly different strikes here than me, uh, but, that, but overall, I think this is a great strategy on a stock that you're modestly down. 
Right, a, lot, so, a lot of Apple bulls out there, Carter. Look yeah. at Carter. We're saying, hey, well, prove him wrong. No. Apple's going to get back to where it was yeah, quickly. Yeah, that's not likely, right? No? Think about that when you, when you draw down aggressively, you leave money trapped above. It's the nature of a quick sell-off. A lot of money was committed to Apple and many stocks in December, in January, in February, 401k contributions, new players entering, a lot of uh, people embracing the bull for the first time. And when you quickly draw down, you leave that money trapped above. And the bounce uh, today, in fact, was exactly a Fibonacci retracement level, 38.2%. It would be a Herculean effort to get to the highs for this stock and basically all stocks. All right. Making a lot of bulls on Apple. Not so happy tonight, Carter Worth. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Remember, folks, I'm sure you got a lot of questions. These are, let's be clear, these are historic times, or at least decade-long time. So be sure to tweet us your questions at Options Action. But also, you think when the market melts down, everybody's going to start buying gold. But they haven't been. Why not? We'll talk more about that coming up. All right, welcome back to Options Action. You'd think the sell-off that we had earlier in the week, really up and down all week long, would send a lot of investors like you running for gold for safety. But actually, gold fell about 9% this week, and that is gold's worst week since all the way back in 2011. But Carter says the charts are pointing to maybe a bit of a rally ahead for gold. He is over at the plasma to break it down again. Find us some opportunity, Carter. So, yeah, gold got murdered, too. I mean, when you have a... Get me out mentality, utilities, gold, even safe haven things, treasuries, uh, an aggressive sell-off as well. And, and so the question is, is it still okay uh, as a chart, as a premise? Uh, I believe that it is. Let's take a look. So here is the GLD. Gold is self-dropped from over 1,700 ounce to basically 1,500 ounce, uh, 11%, 12% decline. And I think you could draw the lines a couple different ways. But what we know is here is our drop, again, uh, pretty substantial. Now, take a look at the lines, and we can do this here. You're now well into support. Support starts at prior tops from which you break out. And support is not a plywood board or a concrete floor. It's a mattress top, and you can sink into and further into support. But we are clearly in support. And we have come down, and we kind of closed a little bit below. But my hunch is that we are going to ultimately find relief here and bounce off this um, trend line. Now, most importantly, of course, is this. And this is why, independent of the fact that it dropped 12%, as it's going straight down, what is it doing relative to the S&P? It is going straight up. So it's, it's pure alpha. And, and not many uh, areas of the market or any areas can claim this. And here, in fact, is gold coming straight down. And here it is compared to all commodities, whether it's cocoa or coffee or cotton or oil, all of them combined, down, absolute, straight up relative. That's the kind of thing we want in an environment like this. All right, Tony, what do you think? Uh, so I think what Carter here has identified is a disconnect between GLD and the safe haven buying that we're, we've been seeing during this market sell-off. Now, I do think that this disconnect is due to the extreme market volatility and some of the liquidity issues that, has been, that have been brought up. But I do think that disconnect is going to be temporary, and I do see gold resume uh, a move higher. But I do think that move is going to happen relatively slowly. So the trade structure that I want to use here is a call diagonal. I'm looking at the March-June 142-150 call diagonal here. 
here where I'm buying the June 150 calls for uh, 142 calls for about $7.60. And I'm selling the March 150 calls against that for about 95 cents. Net net paying about $6.65. And the goal of this trade is to really uh, highlight a trade that Bonowin actually used last week, but just half of it, utilizing the bullish side of this particular trade where I'm buying that longer dated option because the implied volatilities out to June are actually fairly muted and then taking advantage of the relatively high implied volatility for the March options and selling that 150 call against it to bring the cost of my trade down as low as possible. And I want to continuously sell these calls against it as these March calls roll off. Yeah, even on days like this, Tony, you got to find opportunity. I mean, for options traders, Mike, I got to imagine as Dramamine inducing kind of a week this has been in the markets this kind of, of volume this kind of these kind of spreads this kind of gamma there's opportunity here you know there absolutely is you know what tony is trying to capture here and and bonowin was talking about this last week i believe i was talking about it too is one of the things that happens is that the implied volatility that's the price of options the way options volatility traders typically think about it goes up, but it tends to go up much more sharply in those shorter dated options and maybe not quite as much in the longer dated ones. So there's really two dynamics that's going on. Number one, owning optionality. You want that in a high volatility environment, but you also want to sell options that are seeing much elevated premiums. How do you do that? These diagonal spreads actually accomplish that. If you're making a directional bet and you own that longer dated option that hasn't seen its own implied volatility go up as much, you're basically getting the best of both. The whole idea here is that you have some optionality, but you're also getting an opportunity to sell that elevated premium and still make your directional bet. And using a diagonal, the important thing about that, unlike, say, the straddle swap that we were talking about before, is that these types of trades will tend to make profits you know, no matter how high it goes. So you can't see a situation where it gets away from you on the upside. And then you do exactly what Tony was talking about, continue to sell those near-dated options for as long as that premium looks attractive like it does right now. Now, interestingly, in the precious metals, it's worth noting another record happened this week, which is the gold-silver ratio, right? How many ounces of silver can you buy with one ounce of gold? And that peaked in February of 1991, and today we exceeded that high for the first time in basically a generation. Gold, while it's down 11, 12, silver is down 26% from its peak the gold-silver ratio at this high, typically going forward, silver actually outperforms gold. A gener- this is a generational 19. change. I mean, I think when this week is over, this, this period is over, we're going to have all these new things. Like, haven't seen Records this are made to be years. broken. Records right. are made to be broken. By the way, palladium, 32% down week this week, goes into cars. Not a good sign for car sales down the road. All right, that's a different show. Up next, we're going to answer your questions. And remember, continue to tweet us at Options Action. We'll be back right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Options Action. It is time now to get your tweets, some of your questions on what was just an incredible and some might say completely insane week in, in the stock market. Let's go now to the first question. Mike, we're going to send it out to you out west. Uh, what is the best strategy to take if I have a put 
to hedge on a stock or a collar that has made good money, roll up in price, longer date, or take it off? Mike. Okay, so, well, if you're going to roll it, you are going to be taking it off in part, but I actually would maintain some hedging in here because I actually don't think all of the damage to equities has been done, especially after the big spike that we saw today. But implied volatilities have also gone up. So what you would take is your in-the-money put that's obviously quite profitable now. You would sell that and then roll down and out and put on a put spread. So you're basically taking advantage of the elevated premium, going further out in time and adjusting the strikes below wherever the underlying stock is currently trading. All right. Our next fan asks, quote, how can I reduce option prices besides using a call or a put spread? Tony, what other strategies should be utilized. So whenever you're trying to reduce the cost of an option, what you have to do is you have to sell. And the question is, what do you sell? You, typically, you want to do shorter dated options, whether you're turning into a calendar or a diagonal. Th- those are the first places to start. But you can also get a little bit more creative and turn them into butterflies and, and ratio spreads if you have a very specific What's a butterfly price. besides a beautiful insect? What does that mean? It's a three-legged strategy that allows you to target very specific pricing, allowing you to take advantage of the implied vol- high implied volatility and sell that and be able to target a very specific target price. Thank you. I learned something as well. Appreciate that. It's, it's right with the moth trade. All right, coming up, your final call on a heck of a Friday. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC. All right, time now for your final call. Carter, kick us off. I think you want to continue to own gold. Its relative performance is tremendous. And uh, silver, because it's, at this point, so bad, it's good. We're lives over here. All right, Tony. Uh, I think gold reclaims its safe haven status by call diagonals. And that's Mike. Mike, we'll go out to you out west because you're three hours earlier than we are. Sure, why not? XLU, which is the utilities ETF, I'm starting to like them here. I think they're a safety trade that's going to start being safer than equities. And I wouldn't put more money to work in Apple. Instead, I might use stock recovery strategies like a one-by-two call spread on top of the stock you already own. Sticking by it. Apple's not getting to its record high anytime soon, right, Mike? No chance. No, oh, no chance. No chance. All right, guys, thank you very much. Really needed your insight and intellect on a night like tonight. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back next Friday. Mad with Jim. A big one starts now. Today's Money Mover, Wheaton Precious Metal CEO, Randy Smallwood. A commodities outlook. What's ahead for gold and the precious metal sector? Carl Quintanilla, Sarah Eisen, Money Movers. Today, 11 Eastern, CNBC.